Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Uh, my name is Brian, I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Brooklyn, and uh, we thank you for joining us today, especially if it's your first time. Uh, we just appreciate you being a guest here with us, and um, thank you, Allison, for leading us. Um, Janice is spending some extra time with family, um, and Allison graciously came in to fill in and lead worship for us, um, and so thank you so much. Um, we're continuing our series on um, generosity, and the last couple of weeks we went through generosity in regards to treasures, our, our finances, money, um, some of the difficult topics to talk about. But um, the, the goal today is that we're going to be unpacking not just about treasures, because sometimes money is the easiest thing to be generous with. Um, we're going to be talking about t- time and talent today. Um, and it's weird to think about being stingy with time. Right? We can think about being stingy with our wallets, our you know, bank accounts, but being stingy with time seems like a bit of a weird um, idea or thought. Um, but I, I want us to learn and practice together as a community, as a church, um, what it means to be generous of our whole lives. Um, as we sang the song that we trust in God, and truly, if we trust in him with our salvation and the work that he's doing, that if he truly is our hope and joy and the one that brings peace, we, sh- we should surely be able to trust him with the things that he has blessed us, us, blessed us with graciously. And so um, as we unpack these things today, the conversation we had last week about tithing and offering, um, tithing was, just more, it was also more of a framework and setup that we had for today too. Because, um, you know, um, if you want to, I'm not going to rehash the whole entire sermon from last week, but it's not about the, the percentage or the, the exact number that we're talking about. But what does it look like to give our first and our best? Um, to God, trusting him with that. Um, and not just with our money, but with our time. Um, like I said earlier, sometimes it's easier to give 10% of our bank account versus 10% of our time, right? And I just did a quick breakdown of this. Um, if, for I just had to do it mentally in my head for myself. Um, <laughs> for us, as we have a hundred, we're in, we've been stewarded with 168 hours a week. And if we sleep eight hours a night, you know, because surely all of us are healthy and good sleepers. Um, we have, that's, that's 56 hours of sleeping, so we have 112 hours of active, um, wake um, hours left. But let's be real, for most New Yorkers, we sleep probably like four or five hours a week, right? So that actually enlarges our capacity of time awake to 133 hours a week. And as I've been breaking that kind of down, like, it may, I began to imagine, even in my own life, how am I stewarding those hours? Right? And I'm not talking about productivity, right? Like that we need to be producing every waking hour of our time, right? Like we need to have results, results, results. But how often do we step back and say, how do I manage my time? Because time is a gift, it truly is. We don't know how many hours we have here on earth. There is no, you know, you know I know they've been making like movies and shows on if we knew our expiration date, right? We, we want to know. It's kind of a frightening thing to know that we have X amount of hours, right? Um, my mom went on a cruise with her former church, um, with my former church, her church now, and she said there was like a 92-year-old man on the cruise. It was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a trip for like the senior, like elderly in our church, and I'm like, 92 on a cruise? This man is living his life up, right? He is soaking up every minute, every moment. He's going on the excursions, like 92 years, right? And I'm like, what a gift, what a blessing that is, Right? But for us, how do we account for all the hours that we have, all the time that we have, all the blessed hours that we have? And some of you are thinking like, 
Why, why am I here? Um, but hopefully you're here for a good reason. But I want us to understand the stewardship, not just in regards to finances and money, but a framework of what looks like our whole life, our holistic being entrusted to God and using those things as a gift. And so if I could just open us some prayer um, before we get into the passage today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you have given to us, for all the things that you have entrusted us with to steward, to care for, and to use wisely. God, I pray that we may have a shift in our hearts, not out of guilt or shame, but out of abundant joy and gladness, that there may be an excitement in our hearts, that your spirit may really compel us to live a life holistically, entrusting every bit of ourselves to you. God, I pray that our hands, our lives, our time, whatever we've been blessed with, that we'll be able to bless others and to bless your kingdom. So we thank you for this time together. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to start off um, in Ecclesiastes 3, uh, 1 through 14. And um, it's, if you've never read through Ecclesiastes, it's, it's an interesting book because um, it's kind of like a, a um, spinoff of Proverbs. Right? Proverbs is very simple. Right? The wisdom of God, fear God. And this fear of God is not like this trembling, like I'm going to be struck down by lightning fear. Right? It's this, it's this, it's this um, holy, reverent fear, like this awe. And so Proverbs makes it very simple. This is wisdom, fear of God. All right, this is a simple life to live. And then Ecclesiastes kind of gets into it like, well, I realize life is not that simple. <laughs> All right, life is a little bit more challenging. There's a little bit more ups and downs. And so Ecclesiastes kind of unpacks a little bit of the realities of life. Right? The ebbs and flow of goodness, of joy, and sorrow, and darkness. And so Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 14, now it gets to the portion of talking about time and seasons. So it says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from the toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done for them beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat or drink, eat and drink, and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear Him. And once again, that fear that we talk about is not this shaken, uh, this um, toxic fear, but it's a fear of reverence. That at the end of all this, 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 this person, this poem that kind of comes down to it is that God is in control of all things, that he is in all things, he is present in all things. And that's kind of like the, the, the rhythms of Ecclesiastes. Like you see throughout the scriptures in, in, the, in this book that there's ups and downs that as he kind of went through a time to A and a time to B. All these things that God is present in all of it. God's not just present in the joy and the growth and the building, but God is also present in the valleys, in the mourning, in the mending. 
And so this, as, a, as this person kind of shares this enlightenment of understanding life and asking this question, what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. That ultimately this, this writer understands that God is the one that creates all things and redeems all things, that everything is beautiful in its time. And so as we read through seasons, you know, that's kind of been like a common saying, like what season of life are you in? And some of us, we feel like we've been stuck in the same season for a very long time. I'm in this, my season of singleness. I'm in my season of wandering. I'm in my season of, you know, being, being um, in, the, in the middle, kind of like just, just figuring things out. I'm in a season of joy. I'm in a season of growth. I'm in a season, we, we name all these things and we kind of label what type of season we're in. But have we ever taken a step back and wondered what type of season masters our lives? Does the seasons of our life control and dictate who we are? Does our time, what does our time claim? Oftentimes, we, we take this idea of time, of the hours of days, and it, it, it directs and operates all of our being, all of our thinking. And how many times this week have we said, I don't have time? All right, that's probably my wife's least favorite word that comes out of my mouth. I don't have time. It's like, but you have time to do this. I'm like, you are right. <laughs> you know, it's just like we don't have time. And sometimes it's we don't make time or we just haven't figured out what prioritizes time for us. And we allow the days to kind of control. And then, you know, for, for those of us who work more of a rigid schedule, kind of a nine to five job, yes. You know, time isn't as free-flowing <laughs> as we would like. Um, but we've learned throughout the pandemic that sometimes we kind of get lost in time. When everything shut down and we were home, man, the number of hobbies and interests that came up, right, the, the, the amount of bread that was baked, okay, the amount of just, like, activities and puzzles that were done, like, we were doing everything to fill up every minute, every hour of our time. Because we had this kind of mentality, and there's this culture now, um, of being productive, the idol of production. And sometimes I, I'm scrolling through my Instagram reels and I, I, I'm just like, I'm in guilt and shame at the end of it, right? Like, what are you doing with your life? I'm like, I don't know, right? Like, you have this many hours, what are you producing? I'm like, I don't know, right? I'm, I'm at the end of it, I just feel like I'm just overwhelmed, right? And the irony is, does it motivate me? Absolutely not, I just end up just scrolling through more stuff, right? Like, it's just kind of like the, the, the perpetual reel of how productive are you and how, what are you doing with your time? Master your time. But at the end of the day, we realize time masters us. Time controls us. And once again, I'm not in a space right now where I'm dictating whether we go do more things, because sometimes for us, it's not about addition but subtraction. It's about learning to be still. What does it mean to carve out time and spend seasons with God? What does it look like to prioritize our time with God versus giving God our spare change? And it's the same principle in tithing and offering. It's not about giving God, I have, I have about like a couple of dollars left over, God, this is for you. But what does it look like for us to sit down and be like, God, this hour of the day is protected and coveted for my time with you. What does it look like to prioritize God in our time versus I'll fit, it, fit him in whenever it seems fit or whenever I have time. Let's be real. New Yorkers, we never have time. Right? We are always running to something. We're always rushing to something. There are times when I get off the train and I'm running home. I have no idea why I'm rushing so fast. 
right? I'm getting annoyed by every person in front of me, and I realize now I am that annoying person in the stroller in Greenpoint, right? Just, we just take up the whole sidewalk. Um, so, you know, we're always in a hurry. We always feel like we don't have time. And so what I've learned in my life, and this, I'm not talking about discipline, right? I'm, I'm talking about understanding, like, God, truly, if you are the one that I love and I desire, shouldn't he deserve our best time? Imagine in our, if our significant others and our spouses or the people that we love or, or the children, that they got our spare time, our exhausted time. <laughs> when we've done everything we wanted for the day and then when we have the little bit of tank left, a little bit of ounce left, we're saying, okay, this is my time for you. What does it look like for God to receive our best time? And I'm not saying that has to be the morning, okay? I'm not pushing the culture of you better wake up at 4 a.m. I'm like, 4 a.m.? Right? Like, what are you doing? Um, I'm not talking about, like, waking up first thing because, listen, I've been part of that life. I've witnessed it. In the Korean church, there's 5.30 a.m. prayer every day all year long, okay? All year long in the church. And it's not just like you come in and you pray. It's not just a prayer room. It's a full service, Okay, an hour and a half service every day, all year long. And there are grandmas that do not miss a single day. Okay? They prioritize that morning. And then, you know, sometimes we're not morning people. I get it. We had like a Spanish congregation that met in our church as well. They will be leaving when we're coming in at 530 in the morning. They had a service running all night long. Okay? So I'm not talking about what, what is it, morning, evening? No. I'm, what I'm talking about is what does it look like to say God my prime time is yours. That I'm going to spend it in prayer. That I'm going to spend it understanding that you are the one that controls all time. That I can't add an hour to my day even if I wanted to. But God, what does it look like that if you become the priority in my life? That I know, that, and this is where it comes from because in 14 it says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. This, this, this writer understood that God is the only thing that lasts forever. So if we're investing into something, why not invest into something that is eternal? Why not have impact and investment into someone or something that we know controls time, time is in his hands, and he is forever? And also, imagine what could grow in seasons of time and care. I think any good thing takes time. Any good thing takes fruit. Giving our precious time versus our spare time in these seasons, as the writer writes here, what if we invested time into the weeping and mourning? Sometimes because of our emotional capacity, we want to move on from our mourning. And we realize that grief does not have a timeline. But also, what does it look like for us to invest in times of joy and laughter? You know, one of the things that's tough going on social media is there's this perpetual just anger and outrage everywhere you go, right? Like, I'm like, I also like miss the days when the internet was just goofy, right? When it, was, it wasn't, nobody took themselves too seriously, and it was just weird videos, everyone's posting their food, right? Like, it was just it's good times. And all of a sudden now, whenever I go on, someone is angry about something. And listen, there's a time to be outraged, <laughs> okay? There are seasons where we, we fight for justice. We make our voices known. But also, there are times for laughter and joy. And we weep so long that we miss those seasons. You know, for Hope Brooklyn, we've gone through seasons of rebuilding, building. I, I, every time somebody asks, how's Hope Brooklyn doing? I'm like, we're in transition 
And someone finally said, it's like, weren't you in transition two years ago? I'm like, yeah, we're still in transition. Right? We're still figuring things out. But also I realized, you know what? It's, it's also time to build roots. It's also time to build deep roots. There's seasons of our lives, as this, this writer explains, but all in all, that it's God who makes everything beautiful in its time. We can't press it. We can't force it. But what does it look like for us to invest in something that grows with time and care, like any relationship does? And I know that's really hard in New York City because we invest so much time and it gets uprooted right away. We invest time in relationships and those relationships disappear. We invest time in, in community and that community gets broken up. We invest time in friendships and then something happens and that friendship dissolves. I've been there. We've all been there. there are also, there's also seasons for us where we invest so much energy and effort and it doesn't get returned. You know, sometimes like, I think like one of the, the cardinal rules is like, if I help you move, you help me move, right? It's like you just kind of keep that like credit in your, in, your, in your pocket, right? Like it could be like 10 years later, that phone call is still available. I moved that sofa for you, okay, up four, floor, four floors with no elevator, all right? I'm on the fifth floor, you're helping me, right? It's just, you kind of kind of hold time as currency. But the reality is there are going to be seasons when that time isn't returned. Because that expectation that we have time, that the time that we expect from others, is not, is, it's, not, it's not sustainable. The reality is people will disappoint. Time will grow faint. And so as this writer writes that God is present in all things, that no matter what season we're in, whether we're weeping, mourning, scattering, embracing, searching, that all of that is done with this understanding that the pre in, in the presence of all that is God. That's what we're investing in. That's who we're spending time with. And like I said, for some of us, it might be a season of, of just stepping back, of Sabbath. Um, Sabbath has been such a hard term for me. I know it's been a very, like, cool term um, in the church scene, like, make sure you have your Sabbath. Um, and for me, Sabbath days have been, like, what errands can I get done? What chores can I accomplish that I didn't get done during the week because I was busy? Like, that's not Sabbath. That's not break. Um, and I remember when I first left my ch um, former church, um, before I went to Hope East, um, Pastor David, he's like, hey, why don't you take a one-month Sabbath before you join our staff? And initially, I'm like, that sounds great, right? Because I literally, I was 19 years old, I started pastoring. And no exaggeration, I probably spent about 60, 70 hours doing church work. And I was like, one month sounds phenomenal. One week went by, and I was like, who am I? My identity was completely gone. From preaching four times a week to pastoring people, caring for people, doing, making spreadsheets, all this, and doing absolutely nothing, I felt A, useless, and I felt like my identity was shattered. But during that season, God helped me to understand a time to be silent, a time to rest, and to trust God. A time to say that my identity is not placed in my work and what I produce, but who I am with him. It was a powerful reminder. And it was tough because, man, it was so much anxiety. I woke up every day feeling like, once again, I had to get up 5.30 every day. So, like, the fact that I could sleep in, 
Uh, the first time my wife and I, we, we used to have Friday night service every day since I was in high school until I was pastoring. So I, I don't know what it looked like to take a Friday night off. We went to go watch a movie on a Friday night and we felt like we were like skipping out on something, like skipping out from work, school, like we felt like, what if somebody sees us? We're like, no, we, we're, we can do this. <laughs> we can go out on Friday night. And, and I realized that in all of that, that I didn't know how to rest with God. Because I've been just pumping my time into things that I felt like I could control. But once we're able to kind of be silent and step back and allow God to fill that space and that time, there's beautiful fruit that happens. We begin to listen to God and hear God. Unfortunately, we spend so much time and stewarding our time, filling it up with noise that we don't have much time to listen and hear from God. Even when we do spend time with God, it's a, it's a kind of a hurried process and then we move on to our next thing. What if we built in on the end of that five, 10 minutes of saying, God, let me just be silent before you. What do you have to say? We read our Bibles, we're like, good, I did, my, I did my job today, I did my religious duty, let me just move on. But if we were to say, read the passage and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what this passage has to say. I promise you that you're gonna see some remarkable fruit. In those moments of stillness. And so I go back to this idea do the seasons master our time and life? Or do we allow God to rule over that time? By giving, time, giving our first and priority time to God, our prime time, is say, God, you are in control of my hours and days that I cannot add to this. We could labor and toil all day long, but sometimes we're kind of in this rat race. right? One day after another, the same thing. Routine after routine. Once again, I love 11 where it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And here's, here's this longing that we have. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done for, from beginning to end. It's not bad that we long for more time. It's not bad that we long for more time with our loved ones, with our friends, for some of us, the holidays were just felt very short, right? Some of you traveled, came back, like, man, I really miss that time of family. Or maybe some of you are like, I took the first flight out. <laughs> um, regardless, we have this longing for time. We have this desire to extend our time here on earth. And if not our time, we have a desire to extend our legacy. We want to be known. We have eternity, this craving in our hearts. But unfortunately, we try to fill this eternal longing with earthly things. We try to fill this eternal longing with finite things and with finite people. But this eternal longing can only be satisfied once we're met with God. Once God meets us in that space. Now, hopefully this is not an encouragement for us to be like, time is all irrelevant. <laughs> right? No, there's, unfortunately, we are given whatever those hours may be, a finite time to be just good stewards. How do we steward our time together? What do we prioritize? And one of my encouragement is I'm, I'm not trying to be like, fill it with church stuff. All right, if, if anything, it's, it's the opposite. All right, church is great. But how do we steward our time with our friends and loved ones and see how we covet our time? 
What if we were generous of our time? What if we were to say, hey, after Sunday, I'm going to stick around for maybe five more minutes and just ask someone, can I pray with you? Maybe for some of us, it's we've seen the same person go, day after day, we just walk by them. What if we took just two minutes to have a conversation with them, to get to know their name? What if we were generous of our time and how we serve and how we help others? Um, and I'll say Hope Brooklyn, wow, we, 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 we are here and we exist because of generosity of people's time. It's not just the finances that pay the bills. It's through the generosity of people setting up the stuff outside, you know, it doesn't magically appear. The worship team rehearsing, practicing, coming together, it's through the generosity of people's time that we're able to build something beautiful. See, that investment creates something that, that bears fruit, like any relationship does. What does it look like to give our precious time to God versus our spare time? And now coming with talents, in Romans 12, 3 to 8, it is for by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has the one body of many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul is drawing out a beautiful example of what it looks like to commit to one another in community. And that's why I know in church, some of us may have this kind of allergic reaction to membership, to commitment. Um, I think maybe just as New Yorkers, we have an allergic reaction to commitment, period. I found myself always saying when people want to meet up with me, like, let me get back to you. And I'm sure some of you, I've said that too, and you're thinking, why can't you just tell me now? Because um, so, I, I realize I'm allergic, like I have to check my calendar, I have to check all these things. Why can't I just commit to it, right? We have this kind of fear and this phobia of like, oh, my time is very precious. <laughs> my, what, I, what I can offer is very precious. And I get it, we go through different seasons. Um, the time that I have with a newborn baby now is very limited, <laughs> okay? It's, you know, if I, if I take a phone call with you, I'm usually strolling the baby around. I don't know what we're going to do in the winter. It's just going to FaceTime with me just bundled up. But, you know, that's, I, I'm trying to, like, maximize my time. How do I optimize my time, All right? I'm, like, writing my sermon on strolls and, like, things. Like, like it's just, we, we do all these things, but we realize here in Apostle Paul that what he talks about is, hey, there is a thing as membership. Maybe it's not a signed piece of document, but there is a thing about membership saying we're committing to this one body. We're growing together and we're sharing. We're going to be sharing our gifts with one another. For those who buy in, this is the community in the picture that I share with you. If you can sing, sing, right? If you have the gift of prophecy, and some of you, like, the prophetic gift, maybe for some of us, we've been in church scenes where it's like, I prophesy, you're going to get married in two years, right? Like, great, <laughs> I received that. Okay, prophecy is not talking about the future. Prophecy is about affirming, having the gift to affirm something that someone that maybe you've been struggling with, you've been asking direction with, and someone has the gift to be able to say to you, this is affirmed in your life. That's, that's, a, imagine, that's a beautiful picture of the church. That for months you've been wrestling with this thought, and someone prays over you and says, hey, listen, I don't know where this is coming from, but this is, this is what I felt as an encouragement to share to you. 
And many of us have experienced these wonderful gifts and talents from others. Maybe you're not as encouraging, okay? I, it's okay. But I've been around people that are extremely encouraging, and it's annoying sometimes, right? Like the person that says, you can do it. I believe in you, right? I'm like, no, I can't. I tried. It's like, do it again. I'm like, you're just setting me up for failure, right? Like this, but then we have people in our lives that have such a brilliant, amazing gifts of encouragement. I have friends that text me out of the blue that we, maybe we haven't talked to for months, sharing words of encouragement and joy. I'm like, thank you. I needed that today. For some of us, as a passage says to give, give generously, whatever that may be, whether it's finances, time, your talent. God has built and created a church that acts as one body, as one function. And the best way I can explain it is our connections team. There's a lot that goes into the setup and the coming in the mornings, from the coffee, the little nice signs, and the table that's set up. Some people just have an extreme gift of hospitality. Like, if you just walk into their homes, you're like, wow, this was set up beautifully. If you walk into my home, it's like just absolute chaos. We're like, let's meet at the coffee shop across the street, not at our house. Um, but some people just have the beautiful gift of hospitality. But sometimes those people of gift of hospitality don't have the gift of being an extrovert. <laughs> it's like, let me just set the table, you guys come. But some of us, we don't want to set the table, but we have a beautiful gift to be like, just welcoming every random stranger that walks across the street. <laughs> Okay, Dave Santos. Um, so, you know, we just have this, you know, God has created this beautiful tapestry and patchwork of the church. Some of us has actual skills and giftings that we've honed and practiced for our, our years and months and months and months. Like, when we had the live stream stuff, oh my goodness, I was the worst person to ask. I'm like, I don't know, just get it up and running, <laughs> right? I just want to see live and then that's good. But even in those moments, God put together some beautiful people in our church with a gift of just knowing how to operate those things. Thank God for our worship leaders and our worship team. Believe me, you don't want me leading worship, okay? I was forced to do it when I first started ministry. My pastor, mentor was like, you, you gotta try everything, right? It was, the, it was the greatest gag of like two, three weeks. And then my pastor was like, yeah, maybe not. We'll just stick you, stick you to doing small groups. Um, I was like, thank you. Right? You don't want me doing that. But thank God, God has created a beautiful church of people that have these gifts. Time, talent, treasures. How do we steward it? How do we offer it? Are we generous with it? Are we stingy with it? Are we greedy with it? Because the reality is sometimes talent is leveraged as power. Our talents and what we, what we possess and what we can, what the, our capabilities become leveraged as power. What if we reverse that and then we use that talent to serve and to prop others up and to encourage and to build others? E.M. Bounds, going back to this time, this, he's a pastor and just wrote so many great books on prayer and devotion. It says, the men who have most fully illustrated Christ in their character and have most powerfully affected the world for him have been men and women who spend so much time with God as to make it a notable feature in their lives. What if we became a church that every single one of us here is so prominent and significantly recognized that these are people that spend time with God? And you know how that is seen and known it is through the actions of generosity. Jesus, before he departs and taken away in the meal, he tells his disciples, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. That is the mark of the church. It is not how big our sign is, how good our website is, 
It's not about how good our worship or preaching is. The sign of the true followers of Jesus is marked by how they love one another. What if we built and had a community that was invested in generously sharing time, treasures, and talents? That anyone that walked in can notably see this prominent feature of God in our lives. The time that we extend to maybe make that extra phone call during the week. The time that we spend sitting with someone as they're going through grief and anxiety. What does it look like for us to be generous of our time and the way that we care for one another? You know, oftentimes I say I, I, I don't have time and I realize sometimes I say in my head it's I don't have time for this or time for you. When someone interrupts me during, in the street and I'm getting off my day, I realize what I'm saying I don't have time, for, time right now is I don't have time for this conversation. What if we made the little effort to get to know our neighbors, to eat with them, to eat with strangers? Because here's the reality. We look at how Jesus spent his time. It's also most important to recognize who he spent his time with. He didn't spend his time with the elite and the wealthy. He spent his time with the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the widows, the orphans. He spent his time with people that eventually got him killed. He spent his time and the places that he spent his time. And the fact that Jesus even spent time here on earth is, is a testament and reality of the grace and gift of Jesus. We're entering Advent season next week. It's wild. But that season reminds that God came into a dark world to bring light. He spent time with his disciples. And if I'm thinking, looking at the life of Jesus, I'm like, this is not the most practical way to bring your kingdom, All right? Jesus could have magically turned the 12 into remarkable people overnight, but he sat with them <laughs> in their foolishness. He spent time teaching them, eating with them, traveling with them. He modeled it. And a lot of times we don't have time for that type of relationship and discipleship. Tim Keller once said that if you have someone that comes to your church twice a month, that's your elder. Um, and I realized, wow, that's, in New York City, that's kind of like the reality of it, right? Time just consumes so much. But what, is it, what does it look if we spend time to prioritize that time with the people that Jesus would have spent time with? To eat with the people that seems like foreigners to us or strangers to us. And Jesus spent his power, his talent, not on parlor tricks, not to showcase himself. He used his talent and power to heal the sick. He used his talent and power to restore those who were marginalized and sat on the outside to bring them in. He didn't spend his power to elevate himself, but to restore humanity. And ultimately, he spent his power dying on the cross to be resurrected for those of us who truly didn't deserve that sacrifice. That's what Jesus has modeled. And so with that, I'm going to invite the uh, communion ushers and worship team up. We look at Romans and what Apostle said. We look at what the writer, most notably King Solomon, said in Ecclesiastes. And how time and treasures 
it's spent. For us, how do we manage and steward our time? How do we, what is our relationship with time? Are we too busy for the work and the lives of others around us? Or maybe some of us, once again, we need to retreat. When we, whenever we see Jesus retreating, he retreated to time with his father. He made that a priority. He performed a great miracle. He's like, I'll be back. Let me just sail across a little bit and spend time with the father. Before his greatest trial, he spent time in the garden with the father. He made it a priority. What does that look like for us today? What does it look like to offer our talents, saying, God, may you use the gifts that you have given me to bless others? And I know many of us might think we don't have any talents. I have, I have PTSD and flashbacks of talent shows and talent like, competitions because I had nothing. I was like, watch my thumb. Right? Like, that's all I had to offer. Okay? But I do believe that for us, God has given us talents. Maybe it's not these extraordinary talents, but maybe he has given us the ability to be able to just walk, to talk, to have an able body. That's a gift that God has provided for us. And so as we reflect upon that, we're going to invite um, our communion ushers um, here, and then you can come and receive. Um, the communion time has two elements, the bread and the cup. The bread represents the broken body of Jesus, and the cup represents the blood, the covenant that he made, his promise to us. And as we take this, we also receive and remember the time and the people that he spent with, the way that Jesus has extended his talents and power to heal the sick, to restore the broken, and to bring healing to those who are wounded. And so whenever you're ready, you can come up and receive. And, but if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus yet, it's okay to pass up on these communion elements. I encourage you to take this time to receive um, the time that Jesus wants to spend with you today. Just to be able to listen to his voice, to reflect on him and what he has to offer through his grace and sacrifice. And the reality is as we take these elements, we understand that stewarding our treasures, our time, and a talent is sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. It's going to hurt. Because it's taking some, it's removing something from ourselves to give to others. Our, our kind of inclination is to hoard and to receive. But as we look at the broken body of Jesus, we realize that he gave everything. He extended it all. And so whenever you're ready, please come up and receive. And the uh, worship team is going to lead us in the time of song and music.